Good morning, Center Ray Church. I'm Tara, and I'm super thankful to be gathering online together today. Hello to everyone on our live platform right now, including those gathering and watch parties. And hello to those watching or listening to this later. We really are so glad you're choosing to be with us today. A special welcome to those of you joining for the very first time. Welcome. You're about to hear some info we talk through each week so that you, our guests, and everyone else know a little bit about what to expect and how to engage. First, if you or someone you know needs assistance or prayer, we'd love to help you in any way we can. Also, if you have any ideas on ways to serve each other in this unique season, please email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. We love the opportunity to continue to resource you in this season, and there are opportunities available for you and the whole family. There are Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals that you can sign up for on the Next Step page of our website. There are wallpapers to remind you of the weekly application question and a message just for kids. Our Centerway kids learn from the same scriptures that you're about to hear, but with kid-friendly content. If you have kids in your home, you can discuss and apply the word and grow as a family. All these resources are available on our website. If you're watching live this morning, there are tabs to share your info, give, take next steps, find previous messages, request prayer, and even share this message. If you're watching or listening later, you can do all those things through the website. Before we move into the rest of the gathering, we wanna pause for a moment to mention that this is our 20th online gathering. That represents 20 Sundays we haven't shared a cup of coffee together, or hugged in the lobby of FLCC, or heard a full room worship together. But it also represents 20 weeks of being the church in new ways and serving our communities with creativity, of allowing God to remind us of what the church really is. People from literally all over the world connecting to Centerway that may not have otherwise heard the good news of the gospel. We are proud of you as a church family for being on mission and being intentional to be gospel-centered influencers in every sphere of life. We know it's difficult and we miss each of you and can't wait to meet those of you who have connected during this season. But don't become weary in doing well. Continue to encourage yourself and go deeper with God. Keep a kingdom mindset and make sure you spend more time with God's word than you do with social media or the news. God is at work and redeeming every moment to point people to himself. What do we always say? We get to do this. Let's not forget that. Now here's what to expect today. In just a moment, Aaron will be reading the scripture text for us, Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then you'll hear some ways to respond in worship. Immediately after the message, you can head over to Instagram Live or Facebook Live as a way to respond through song. All right, here's Aaron with our text for today. Good morning, Centerway. My name is Erin, and I will be reading scripture this morning in 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this... In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If 
we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Good morning and welcome. My name is Claude and my wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. Super excited that you've chosen to be with us. We're continuing in our series uh, for the love and specifically this morning's message is fear not. So for the love, fear not. And we're wrapping up uh, the end of chapter four of first John, specifically verses seven through 21, which you just heard read. And um, as I reflected a little bit on this week, I was reminiscent of the over 20 years, over 21 years that my wife Meredith and I have been married. And uh, it's incredible because if you uh, talk to anybody that knows her well, you realize that um, the last 21 years have been the most joyful of her entire life. Um, she's no longer upset, rarely disappointed about anything. Um, I just continually fulfill all of her dreams, expectations, and joy. Um, and also, I love that she can't respond. So uh, I'm going to move on, though. Uh, I acquiesce. And uh, what I want to share with you is a problem that I have that I've had for the last 21 years. Honestly, it's been a problem I've had my whole life. But Meredith has reaped the consequences of the problem that I possess. And if you've been a part of Centerway for any amount of time, you've probably heard variations of uh, certain parts of what it is that I'm going to disclose. So it won't be a shock. Um, I really, really love to scare Meredith. Um, I, it's probably second only to tickling her. Um, she hates to be scared, like, you know, um, frightened, uh, intentionally. She hates to be tickled. And for some reason, I find an amazing amount of joy in doing those things to her. Um, and I know what it is. It's, it's her reaction. And so it sounds like I'm like blaming her, like she's baiting me, but I think if she didn't care, I'd probably stop doing both of them. I think it's the overwhelming response that I get when I do those things that just continue to bait me to do them more. Um, in either case, uh, early on when we were married, uh, it was our first year, maybe our, our second year. Um, it's became more and more obvious that I had this significant problem. It was, um, we would show up at our apartment and I would unlock the apartment door and the apartment would be dark, of course. And I would just dart in 
to the apartment as quickly as I could in the dark. And Meredith would just stand by the door and be like, Claude, don't, don't do this. Why do you do this? And I would go and hide somewhere in the apartment. Like I said, you you may have heard this story if you've been around any amount of time, um, but it kind of illustrates the point all too perfectly not to share it because it didn't just happen a couple of times. It happened a lot. And from time to time, it will still happen. In fact, the other night, for no apparent reason, I just ran out of our bedroom into the living room in the dark of night, and she followed me out in the living room thinking something was wrong. And I am here to tell you that God has done a work in my life because my plan was to scare the snot out of her when she came out. And instead, I was just standing there, and she's like, why'd you run out here? And I'm like, no reason. And right now in this moment, she's realizing that I actually controlled myself, but I, I wanted so bad to just scare her to death. And, and I, I think it's, like I said, the reaction, the response, but the reason why I tell you the stories of all the different times that I've scared her and how it's a continual struggle of mine uh, is because in the moments that she realizes I'm about to scare her, she gets locked up, literally locked up. Like, at the door, when I would dart into the apartment or into our home or whatever season of life we found ourselves in, she would just stop and be like, Claude, don't do this. And she'd be like trying to talk me out of scaring her. She would be completely locked up at the potential of the consequences of her entering the room. Just afraid of the consequences. She's going to be scared. She's going to freak out and she knows it. And so the question I want to ask us and I want us to consider as we move through the text this morning is why are we sometimes gripped by fear? Why are we sometimes gripped by fear? And I know that there are some of you out there that will say, you know, I fear nothing. Uh, I'm not afraid of anything. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's fine. You may actually believe that. And if that's the case, it just means that you fear the perception of weakness. So you are afraid of something. You're afraid that people might think you're weak. And so therefore you declare you're afraid of nothing. The fact is, we all fear something. The reality is, as humans, we have the capacity to fear. We do. It's a normal human emotion. In some cases, it's almost an involuntary act. When we as humans encounter what we believe to be dangerous, fear is a typical emotional response. I know there's a lot of fear shaming from time to time, especially in our culture right now where we find ourselves, but the fact is fear's a rather typical emotion. But why are we sometimes gripped by fear? That's different, right? It's different than when you're afraid of something versus being gripped by that fear, where it literally just kind of locks you up. I want to submit to you that we can be gripped by fear when something that is unknown is coupled with the potential to have consequences. Think about that for a second. Like we have a fear response when something's unknown, like it catches us off guard and we're like afraid by it, right? We just kind of have a fear response, but we're gripped by fear when something that is unknown is coupled with the potential of consequences. We realize there's gonna be a consequence here and there's something unknown about when that consequence will come. Let me explain. If I told you I was gonna scare someone when they entered the room, 
assuming you'd be on board, right? There, I know there are those of you that would like try to talk me out of it and you think I'm evil for scaring my wife. And by the way, my children absolutely love that I scare her and they have become little fright balls. And I've had to actually like tell them, listen, stop scaring your mother. <laughs> it's not okay. Uh, great parenting moments. But in either case, if I told you I was going to scare someone when they entered the room and all of a sudden that person came into the room and I scared them, you might have a fear reaction, right? Like, especially if you're a little skittish or whatever, like even though you knew it was coming, like you might be smiling or whatever in anticipation. When that person came in, I scared them, you might kind of jump, but you wouldn't have the fear response that the unknowing person has, right? It's kind of common sense. Let's look a little deeper though into this idea of being gripped by fear because it's deeper than that. There's a, a glass bridge in China. Um, I'm smirking because I can't help myself. I watched endless videos of this. Uh, you can Google it. It's super entertaining. I haven't watched all the videos, so if you see something weird or something with foul language, I didn't see that one. I'm not condoning it. Um, it's always like you know one of the potential issues of sponsoring something to be watched. But I watched a whole mess of videos of people crossing a glass bridge in China it's over 3,800 feet above a valley floor, and it runs right along the edge of this sheer cliff, and it's a glass bridge, okay? <laughs> this is what's incredible about this glass bridge. When people walk on the glass, it has um, like a, uh, a fake response to where when you take a step, it actually cracks or it looks like it does. It's a special effect. So it makes a cracking noise and there's actually splinters that come off of each step you take. It's a horrifying idea. I don't know what kind of twisted individual came up with it, but in either case, you watch videos of people that don't realize that's gonna happen and they're walking along. There's this one older guy, I'm not kidding, I almost wet myself laughing. He steps out onto the bridge and he's like all confident. He walks on the bridge like, I'm not scared. This is fine. It's a glass bridge. And he steps and he goes, <laughs> and he goes, ah! and he like lunges down. He's like grabbing the wall and like screaming and looking and everybody's laughing and I'm laughing hysterically. And he is completely gripped by fear. Like he will not move a muscle and he's just standing there looking down. Why? Because he didn't know what was going to happen. And now he's looking and looking at the consequences of him continuing. Like if he continues in this, it could shatter. And so he's just completely gripped by fear. And what makes the video even funnier when I thought I couldn't laugh any harder, there's this group of little children that are all dressed in uniforms. So they must be coming from a school or something like that. It's clear they've been on the bridge before because not only do they realize there's gonna be that cracking, they are entertained by it. And so they literally walk right past him and he's like trying to stop them and they just walk right by laughing and this line and it's cracking on their feet. And they're like, ha ha ha, and they're going along. Why? Because they know, they know what's happening and they don't fear the consequences because there are none, right? So they're confidently walking across. It's hilarious. Listen, when you know that you're safe, when you know that you're safe from consequences, fear is gone. Fear is gone. You, you have this confidence to just walk forward. This truth is what John is revealing in the end of chapter four today. So let's walk through with that in the back of our minds because it won't be very obvious on the front end. Verse seven says this, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 
We're continuing in this theme of love that, that John has been discussing throughout the whole uh, book of 1 John. Once again, he's saying a sacrificial love, a not typical or an atypical human love, something outside of our normal approach to what we believe love is, a type of love that loves with the expectation of nothing in return, is actually an indicator of a life that's been transformed by the gospel. Then he goes on and clarifies something critical to our culture today. If we go on and and read verse 8, it says this, Anyone who does not love does not know God. He's summarizing a lot of what he's already established in, in previous chapters. But the end of this verse, because God is love. Because God is love. He's revealing the nature and the character of God. God is love. This is like saying that fire is heat, right? There's more, obviously, to fire, but you can't have fire without heat. Heat is part of the the nature, the character of fire. So where there is fire, heat is present. So now let's connect the dots here. Where God is present there is love. Okay. So let's read this carefully though. God is love. It doesn't say love is God. And that's why I said it's, it's key to our culture today where, where it seems like people want to define love. They want to elevate love. Our culture elevates love as if love is God. And that is not the case. In fact, that's pantheistic and it's a heresy, right? So beyond the, the reality that it's heresy, not true, not part of scripture, it's also poor logic. So if you're out there saying, it is true though, like love is God, it's poor logic. Think of it in terms of what I already articulated. Fire is heat, but heat is not fire, right? You, you wouldn't feel something that's hot and be like, ah, oh, there must be, must be fire in there. There must be fire inside my body because I'm warm. You wouldn't say that, right? But, but you can't have fire without heat being present. You see, heat is a characteristic of fire. And God is love. But love is not God. A, a characteristic of God is love. It's an outflow. So God is love. And he is so much more. So to be in relationship with God, one cannot help but love others, right? It's kind of like saying that, uh, as creepy as this sounds, is that if, uh, if we got close to a fire, to the point where we were lit on fire, then we would become a heat source. I know it sounds creepy, but the reality is we would give off heat if we were engulfed in flames. And the same is true if we're in proximity to God, God is love. It's a characteristic. So if we were in proximity to God, if we were Christ followers, then the outflow of our life, the characteristic would be that we would give off love, that love would be present where we are. We could not help but love others, even the unlovable or the difficult to love. This is important because it means that if we claim to be a follower of Jesus, but we have difficulty loving someone, I mean, I know, I know you don't, right? (laughs) 
and I certainly never do, right? We all have difficulty loving someone at some point. If that's the case, we need to understand this. And I'm speaking specifically to Christ followers, knowing that there's a lot of different people logging in and, and even listening to this later. But for those of you that claim to be a follower of Jesus, the issue is not the person you find difficult to love. It's not their views. It's not the words they say. It's not even the hurt that they inflict on you. What needs to be evaluated is our proximity to Jesus. That in those moments that we find people difficult to love, we need to evaluate our proximity to Jesus because God is love. And if we are followers of Jesus, we are lovers of people. Verses 9 through 10 say this, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Sounds like a SAT word there, right? Propitiation. And we'll, we'll get to the definition of that for a second, in a second. What's important is we are loved because God loves us. That's it. We are lovable because God loves us. We have the capacity to love others because we are loved. Not because we loved him well or even at all, right? God loved us while we were his enemies, scripture says. And so if you find yourself in a place where you are not in relationship with God, and maybe you would even classify yourself as an enemy of God, the fact is this, God loves you. He loves you right where you are, not, not when you get everything together, not when you figure stuff out, not when you're kinder, not when you're without sin or anything absurd like that. No, God loves you. He loves you, expecting nothing in return. Propitiation means this. It means atoning sacrifice. And I know I just defined a word with more words that probably need definition. So I'll, I'll clarify it this way. Propitiation means to turn away the wrath of God by means of an offering. To turn away the wrath of God by means of an offering. Jesus offered himself because he loves you. And he loves me. And so therefore he took the wrath of God towards your sin and mine. And he extends grace and mercy towards us in the midst of the brokenness of our lives. John Stott, a, uh, a theologian and a commentator, says this, The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. While the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. <laughs> That's incredible. Incredibly simple and yet amazingly profound. Let me read it again. The essence of sin is man, or humankind, substituting themselves for God. While the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for humankind. <laughs> Here's good news. Verse 15. Verse 15 says this. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. 
That's it. Well, well, we confess that Jesus is Lord? Will we allow him to be the Lord and leader of our lives? Will we allow the love that he extends towards us to saturate our hearts and minds to the point where we become enveloped so much in the love that God has for us that we have no other option but to extend love, grace, and mercy to others? But as much as that's good news, what does that have to do with fear? (laughs) How does that connect at all to what we're talking about this morning? Verses 18 through 19 clarify further. It says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And then verse 19 says, We love because he first loved us. Hmm. This word for fear, and it expounds uh, expounds on it a little bit, has to do with punishment. So the the author here, John, is saying fear of punishment is driven out by love. If you're reading the chapter and you're not really connecting the dots, you might feel like the author's sort of jumping around, like, what what does love have to really do? How does it connect now to this fear idea? But let's, let's put it all together real quick. If we put it all together, we're gripped by fear when we aren't in the know, when we're uncertain of what's coming, and then it's compounded by the reality of the consequences we're about to face. Some of you guys are tracking and realizing where this is going. You see, listen, we live with confidence and we live to the fullest when we realize that God is love and has paid the debt that we owe. And so therefore, there are no consequences for us because of the love and grace of God. We don't have to face the consequences of the sin of our life. And the freedom from the consequences of our sin actually casts out the fear that we live with. And so for the love, fear not. That's what John's saying. For the love, fear not. Fear not. We have nothing to fear in eternity if we know that we know that we're children of God, redeemed by the sacrifice and victory of Jesus. And get this, not fearing eternity, because that's what the text is about. That that because of the love of Jesus, we don't have to fear eternity. We don't have to fear punishment. But if we put not fearing eternity into perspective, it actually sets us free in the life we live now. It changes everything. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world, right? John has said that in the previous chapter, all the dots kind of coming together. Listen, you've got this. You've got this, whatever the this is in your life right now. And I don't know what the this is, and it's not because your this, your issue is going to turn out the way you want. Because it's not about that. It's not about manipulating God. It's about resting in the fact that we are deeply known and incredibly loved. And it's, it's not because 
it's even going to turn out the way we want. Like I said, it's because Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. He's walking alongside us through the darkest moments of our life. And we think we've perverted Christian Christianity and following Jesus into this idea that when we call on Jesus, he reaches down and snatches us out of the difficulty, that when we proclaim certain things that he removes pain or difficulty, or anything. but we don't even function that way with our kids, right? Because we love our kids. There are moments where we say, listen, you've got this. There's moments when we say, hey, you're going to fall off your bike, but I'm going to stand behind you. I'm going to walk alongside you in the midst of, of your fear and uncertainty. And because you love me and you can trust me, you're going to have confidence. We're going to do this together. And so I want to let you know you've got this, not because of some supernatural ability to, to rise above the pain or the hurt, but because God will never leave you or forsake you, and he's walking alongside you through this. He's actively redeeming the situation that you're facing. Even if it's turning out in a way that you can't process, God is redeeming it. Have confidence and fear not, because his love for you, his love for me, changes everything. It changes everything. The end of the chapter, verses 20 and 21 say this, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. He said this earlier in the, in the book, but he's coming back to it as the, as the dots are all connecting. goes on and says, For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever love God, loves God must also love his brother. The ripple effect of being loved is that we love. That we love. It's a, it's a byproduct of being in relationship with God. If you are truly in relationship with God, it changes everything. And in fact, this morning, we at Centerway would say it even requires something of us. And so I want to ask you a question as we wrap things up and you consider what the application looks like. What does the text require of us today? The question I want to ask you is this. What area of fear is God asking me to give over to him? What area of fear is God asking me to give over to him? I know that there's all different variations of fear, especially in this season. So maybe it is seasonal, but maybe... It's a fear that you've had for your life, like the idea that maybe you fear being alone, maybe you fear not getting into the right college, maybe you fear some lie that you've told yourself or that someone else has whispered to you. Maybe this morning the fear is losing control. And so maybe for some of you, you haven't really surrendered your life to Christ and you're trying to control everything. Maybe you're still in the midst of trying to control the outcome of your eternity through good works or whatever that might look like. I want to let you know if you haven't come into relationship with Jesus, it's as simple as praying a prayer. Wherever you find yourself this morning or if you're listening in the evening, to just say, Lord, I'm a sinner, but you died for me because you love me. Just forgive me my sin. Set me free. Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. 
It's as simple as that. If you pray that prayer while we're on this live platform, I encourage you to, to click on the prayer request and you'd be in a private chat so we could talk to you about what next steps look like. If you prayed that prayer later, you can always go to our next steps section of our website and let us know and take the next steps necessary. We'd love to walk alongside you in this journey. For others of you that have crossed that line of faith and you're like, I have surrendered my life to him, but I still go back into trying to control every aspect of my life. Maybe, maybe your application looks like just allowing God to wash over the fear that you possess in opening your hands and saying, okay, God, you've got this and I know you're going to walk alongside me. Maybe this season has you fearful or, or lacking in love for others. I want to challenge you, as was already revealed in this morning's talk, is that more often than not, that's because of a lack of proximity to Jesus. And we all have the ability to get wrapped up in the different issues and worries and concerns, and all of a sudden we find ourselves using what we think to be um, sound logic or whatever, and, and we end up drifting away from proximity of Jesus that would just say, I'm going to walk alongside you. Are you doing the things that really matter? And so I just want to challenge you. Maybe your application is giving over the control that you have to asking Jesus to increase his proximity to your heart and life. Maybe it looks like being missional. If you're living in a rhythm of life where he is in control and he's directing you and there isn't any uh, clear area of fear, maybe being missional has kind of restricted some things. Maybe you aren't being quite as missional because of fear of how people might perceive you, how they might react or what it might look like or cost you. And so I just want to challenge you to lay some of those fears down and, and to function as a missional person, influencing every sphere that God would place you in. I don't know what the application is for you today, but I want to challenge you. What area of fear is God asking me to give over to him? Reflect on that. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask that you would search our hearts. You'd search our hearts, that you'd search our minds, the, the areas of our life that, um, that we maybe aren't even aware are gripped by fear. They're causing us pause. We're restraining what it is that we know that you're calling us to do because we're concerned about the, the consequences maybe relationally or fiscally, or, or whatever that might look like. And, and God, we just come before you this morning. We pray that you would reset our hearts and minds as we increase our proximity to you, Lord, that you would come in like a flood and that you would uh, give us guidance and direction that we could be a part of what it is that you're doing in and through this world for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to stick around. We're going to hear in just a moment how to respond further to this talk. Hope to see you next week. Hey Centerway, thanks for joining us this morning. Each week we take a little time to remind you that in addition to the application question, there are many ways to respond to the scripture text and many ways to worship this week. One of the ways that we can worship corporately is through singing, which we're about to do if you're with us live. If you're watching or listening to the message later, you can find the songs that we're about to sing on Spotify. Search Centerway Church and look for our For the Love playlist. If you're looking for any resources or to take next steps, you can find those opportunities on our website. For those gathered on the live platform, we will see you on Facebook Live or Instagram Live in just a few minutes.